Well, hello everyone and welcome to Rust Belt Startup. I'm your host, Ryan Miller. Man, I, finally, episode one. It's finally here. I've been working on this forever and I'm so happy to, uh, uh, to share this with you guys. Rust Belt Startup is a podcast where we reconstruct Remarkable. It's long-form conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, musicians, educators, people that are starting movements in their communities and changing them for the better, typically outside of major metropolitan areas. I've been traveling around and, and calling people and, and writing and speaking to folks all across the country um, that are doing amazing things, and, and today's inaugural episode is no exception. I'm really excited to get into this. It's, it's really a, it's a long, long-form interview um, with a friend of mine, Aaron Miller, no relation. So Aaron is one of the founders of a startup called Out There Productions, and uh, she is has amazing energy, uh, is, is incredibly creative, and Out There Productions works with startups around the country to get their names out there. We cover a lot of ground in this interview, um, everything from her background, how she got into filmmaking, um, some of her first entrepreneurial endeavors, uh, as well as meeting one of her heroes, someone who really turned her on to film uh, from Pixar and how that one chance encounter can kind of change a life's trajectory. But we really talk about the birth of Out There and how she transformed a school bus into the cool bus and traveled around the country for the last eight months making films and working with startups around the country. It's an amazing story. Let's just get right into my conversation with Aaron Miller of Out There Productions. For those of you, for, the, for those of you, for anyone that doesn't know who, who you are, like how, how would you describe who you are, where you came from? Yeah, okay, so... I'm Erin Miller. Uh, I am a videographer, producer, and entrepreneur, and uh, I'm from the Bay Area in California. I'm born in Berkeley. That's why I'm so cool. And uh, you've got that little, you've got the, the the swagger in your voice. That's what everyone people you are do. like. Oh, you sound like you're from California. You do. I'm like, cool. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I ended up in Syracuse. I came out here for school, but um, I never thought I would end up on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I would go to art school, study animation, work at Pixar, and have like a great life there. But everything it turned out not to be super linear. Point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, when I was a junior in high school, I got an opportunity to study uh, on the East Coast. And you apply for this scholarship program. It's called the Ivy League Connection. Mm-hmm. And it's for, like, high... For the Ivy League high-performing I, students? Yeah, it's for, like, students who are trying to get out of the Bay Area, which seems like... It's why would counterintuitive. Anyone, right? It was like, why would anyone want to leave? But, um, I mean... People don't usually because they're comfortable. Yeah. But for people who are trying to see like what is different and like want to go in a free Upstate trip, New York. <laughs> yeah, they're like they can apply and go. So you can go to it, and uh, these universities open up specific programs mm-hmm. for high school students during the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you can go to UPenn, Yale, mm-hmm. Brown University, um, Vanderbilt, some mm-hmm. like other like fancy yeah Yeah. um so my brother went to Yale uh a year before me and he had a great time Mm -hmm. and it's basically a trip where you get spoiled by the superintendent of like your school district Mm -hmm. 
and then they just bring you like to the East Coast and you get a tour a bunch of schools and then you stay for a month in the dorms at a university. So I applied the following year and I went to Brown University and I realized that the people there were like not smarter than me, but they were just as smart. And for some reason, I thought to go to like an East, East Coast school, you had to be some sort of prodigy. But I'm just like, oh, these people are like relatively human. So I'm going to go for it. So mm-hmm. I decided to like apply to East Coast schools. And so you applied to Brown? I applied to Brown, didn't get in. Like in retrospect, kind of glad that I didn't get yeah. in. But um, yeah, ended up trying to decide between Ithaca College and Syracuse. Oh, I went to Ithaca, actually. Yo. Class of 2003, man. Hey, yo. Yeah. Nice. And I. No, there, go ahead. There's like a the park school for communication. Yeah, I I don't think I I don't remember I don't think I got into the park school, but I ended up going to the I ended up going to the business school, and I think okay. it's because um, it was kind of the I I didn't I had no idea what I wanted to do like business you could you know do whatever, but I really wanted to do audio production. Okay. Because um, I wanted to produce records, you know, um, but I I couldn't get into the music school. And so I was like, well, the park school is really good. So let me – and I, I, if I got into the business school, I could take classes at the park school. Mm-hmm. And so I did audio production for like a, a minor and I hated it. Like I just hated it. So – Like it, you didn't like the staff or the You know process? what it was? It was um, – it's kind of like, you know, when you get started on something and you think it's going to be one thing and then you yeah. get into it and it's another. I didn't like um, – it was geared heavy, heavy, heavy towards um, TV radio. Interesting. Right. And so it wasn't – I couldn't do the the music kind of stuff right. that I wanted to. Um, and we were, I, I felt like, and tell me if this is wrong, like, because maybe you did, you did, did you do animation or did you do videography? What was in your college? major? Yeah. Oh, oh, advertising. In, advertising. Okay. So, like, we were spending a lot of time, they teach you the fundamentals, right? And this was obviously, yeah. like, early 2000s. We were literally, like, slicing tape and editing tape together. And I was like, I, there's no, I don't know there's, I can't. I couldn't find tape today. If you wanted me to find tape to yeah. edit together, you know, and um, everything was really geared around like the sound effects and commercial. I just didn't like it, so I yeah. dropped it. Yeah. Anyway, it's totally. So you didn't go for you went for advertising. I went for advertising. Okay. So I was trying to figure out what I wanted my major to be, and I was trying to do like an art related thing. And then my college advisor was like, "Dude, you've never taken an art class." in high school or anything like why would you why do you think you would get in I'm like I don't I don't know like school like you go to learn um but then I realized (laughs) I like sort of did some introspective kind of thoughts and I realized that if I did advertising then I'd be able to study business psychology and art so that's a good point yeah um I was like okay and I saw that advertising was listed as a major at both um parks the park school mm-hmm. and new house so i was like yellow so i just applied i didn't know anything about like the prestigious communication schools or that kind of stuff i was like this sounds like a good concentration mm-hmm. so and you yeah. got in yeah i got in um Did you into both ithaca and yeah, yeah i unfortunately didn't get, if i got the scholarship for the park school then i would go there mm-hmm. um but syracuse offered more financial aid mm-hmm. so it was like whatever and then i i visited both campuses mm. loved Ithaca it was like kind of in the middle of nowhere it usually is but I was I was ready to like have an immersive four yeah. years so I was I was pretty open to it um but then I visited Syracuse and was like hey it'd be cool to be on a 
on a big, big campus in, like, a city, kind of, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and see how it goes from there. So, so when you were in, you grew up in the Bay Area, like, yeah. were you in a city or, like, the Burbs or? I was about half an hour from San Francisco, about 15 minutes from Berkeley. Okay. So I was, like, kind of in the Burbs, but very, everything was relatively accessible by public transit. Had you ever picked up a camera before you got to college? Yeah. Um, so my brother was actually a lot more into video production than I was. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be a director when he grew up. Okay. And so he found out a way to borrow camera equipment from the local television station. And you basically go down and you're like, hey, like, I have this idea for a video project. Um, I'd love to borrow, like, equipment. And our television station was, like, pretty well-funded, and um, they had some great, like, stuff to rent out. So we borrowed, like, thousands of dollars of equipment as, like, probably, like, 12- and 13-year-olds. And, like, mom and dad signed off on it, and, like, Connor would write scripts. Yeah. And I would I would fall into the role of producer because he was, like, not super organized and thinking about, like, the operations process. Mm-hmm. He was more on the, like... He wanted to frame it and, and make the shots. Yeah, and... yeah. So, um, yeah, I fell into the role of, like, producing it. And that's, like, the first kind of, like, entryway into video that I was in. Was, this, I, a, yeah. was this a program? Like, she so said that the TV station had, like... Was this a known thing, or did your brother just be like, hey, I'm a 13-year-old kid. Can I borrow a camera? Yeah, that's how it went. So just ask. Yeah, it had never happened before. <laughs> and so, like, and the people that were at the station were like, okay, this kid seems legit. Yeah. And they just let him borrow stuff. Wow. So I actually found a lot of our old videos. Yeah. They're not bad. Really? They're pretty good. There's one of them that I starred in. Um like, I didn't want to star in it, mm-hmm. but, like, our yeah. main actor dropped out. But it's about this girl, Kaylee, who um, gets tracked down by the government because her jokes are so bad. <laughs> and, like, she gets chased around by a bunch of, like, FBI agents because she told, like, they are like, you just can't tell jokes anymore. Sign this paper saying that you won't. And so it was like, <laughs> okay, I'll sign it. And then... Like, I went to a party, and I accidentally told a joke, and then I'm like, did I did I tell any jokes last night? And then, like, there's a flashback, and it's like, I did. So then there's this huge <laughs> chase sequence, and at, at, then at the end, Kaylee has to go through a government-sponsored program to learn how to be funny. And in the end, she's doing stand-up, and everybody, like, is clapping. That's awesome. That's awesome. Is that out there on YouTube or anything like that? It is on my hard drive. Is it? I'm yeah. waiting, to, like... To release it. I don't know when the best time to do so is. <laughs> wow. That's cr- and how old were you when you made that? Um, that was 2004, 14 years ago. Wow. Okay. And what were you guys shooting on back then? Uh, was it like DV stuff? Yeah, it was DV. Yeah. It wasn't like a, like a camcorder. They were actually big, chunky cameras. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. don't know what they were hmm. called. Hmm. They looked really intimidating, though. But, and, and you didn't know how to use it, and your brother didn't know how to use it, and they just, like, p- just push buttons and figure it out? Um, the the uh, television station showed us how to use it before wow. we checked it out. That's awesome. So they were like, yo, come down, like, 30 minutes before you want to check it out, and we'll give you a quick run-through. That's amazing. I've never heard of 
someone just doing that. Yeah. And these are people that are filming, like, summer concerts in the mm-hmm. park. Yeah. And sh- live streaming, like, community events on Channel 28, the channel that people stumble upon. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, it, when they hear people doing new projects, they're like, yo, let's go. And they even opened up their editing suites to uh, my brother and I. And it would be, like, me, Connor, and Stuart. And we'd all just, like, spend hours editing. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And so at that point, you were like, I want to do video? Or just then, then you're still like, this is fun, this is a hobby, but I want to maybe do advertising or still lost? or Yeah, I think um, after that trip to Brown, uh, there was a – there. Uh, oh, no, sorry. In seventh grade, I, did, I went to math and science camp at Mills College, which is like an all-girls school. Mm-hmm. Um, in Oakland, so okay. about like 20 minutes from my house. And uh, there was a lady from Pixar that gave a presentation. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, like, I work at Pixar. Like, I made Boo's sock in Monster Sink. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, she drives, like, Mini Cooper. She's super cool. She's wearing a T-shirt that has an astronaut on it. Like, I want to be like her. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to work for Pixar. So, like, ever since 7th, 8th grade, I wanted to, like, work at Pixar. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. And, but you had never done any animation? No. Okay, so b- back up. So what was this woman's name again? Sorry. Uh, the Pixar lady? Yeah, yeah. Her name's Danielle Feinberg. Danielle, okay. And, like, ever since uh, she spoke to, like, our class there, um, I've sort of, like, been checking in on how yeah. she's doing in films, and she still works at Pixar. And every time I see a Pixar movie, I sit through the credits and see, like, if where her name it. is, and it's always been moving up. And oh, now she's, awesome. like, supervising lighting designer like, for Pixar. Super cool. Have you reached out to her, or have you kept in touch with her? I haven't. Uh, this is another thing where I'm like, when's the right time to do so? Mm-hmm. But I have her on Twitter, and she's, like, pretty accessible now. Yeah. So I want to figure out, like, a good narrative slash story to sort of reach out to her mm-hmm. and be like, hey, like, in 2007, you made this, like, presentation that completely changed my life. This is what I'm doing now kind wow. of thing. Awesome. But, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. When you, when, when you were talking to her, or when she was talking to you about this, and, and she said, I did, I did the sock. Yeah. Right? Were you like, hmm, like it's that granular? Or were you just like, that's the coolest thing in the world? Like she did, because if you think about animation. Yeah. And like, oh, you didn't do the monsters? Or you didn't do, she's like, I did the hair on whatever, right? Like did that change how you thought about animation work? Uh, or, or were you just like, I don't care. Like I just, I want to do the sock in, in Monsters, Inc. 2. I think it was just, like, you had your hand in creating something iconic that was part of a big movement. And, like, all Monsters, Inc. was super cool. And if she just, like, had one hand in it, like, that was completely awesome. Um, and then, like, after, after I went on that trip, the next year, um, I took a cartooning class. So I did take an art class in middle school. Mm-hmm. And um, the dude who was the professor there, he, like, thought my drawings were, like, pretty good. And he was like, hey, like, I have some contacts at Pixar. Do you want to go on a tour there? I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. So it was me and two other students, and we got to, like, go visit the inside. And it was so freaking cool. Like, they have the big Luxor lamp out front. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we sat down, and we had lunch with an animator. Wow. So... Gotta get my foot inside, so I'm like, dude, I'm on the right freaking path yeah. to, like, work here. So that was also super influential. Um, and I just thought the space was cool. I thought the culture mm-hmm. was great. I thought the products that they made were 
impactful. Oh, like the best like, in the world. Yeah. So it was like, I want to, I want to be part of that. I want to tell stories that have impact on people. Like when you watch the first 10 minutes of Up, like you're mm-hmm. crying. Like, mm-hmm. you, do, you, do you still want to work at Pixar? I still want to work at Pixar. It's since it was part of my, chi- it was like my childhood dream. Like I want to fulfill that. Mm-hmm. So like if I ever have kids, I can be like, dude, you need to fulfill your childhood dream just like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thing. Very cool. Yeah. So I think I'll definitely work there one day. I don't know when, mm-hmm. but I know that like whatever I'm doing now will lead up to me working there. It's still on the radar. That's yeah. cool. You, you, at some point, you're, you're doing advertising, and then you yeah. said, okay, well, I'm going to transition to yeah. startup land or entrepreneurship or whatever. And what did, Take me through that process. Yeah, so it's a really interesting process of how it happened. Um, without knowing it, in high school, I was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother and I made comic books, like zines. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sold them for like 25 cents. Like super Captain Underpants, George and Harold kind of stuff, where we made friends with people in the office and they made copies. And like we sold them for a quarter so we could like make more copies of yeah. future zines. And then I also sold, like, popcorn in high school for, like, 400% profit, which was awesome. I would, like, sell these big bags of popcorn, like, the stuff that you get at um, farmer's markets. Yeah. Uh, just, like... Like the kettle corn, the really the really good stuff, yeah. not the microwave stuff. Yeah, but this was just, like, stovetop, like, popped popcorn, oh, really? like, with sea salt, that's it. And, like, I would wake up at 5.45 every morning and make, like, three bags. And I'd sell them for two bucks at school. People would, like buy it and I'd use the money to go to the movies that's Um, awesome so yeah so that was like the start of my entrepreneurial career um but then like first week in college I I like applied to um a learning community when I was looking for housing Mm -hmm. and it was like creativity innovation and entrepreneurship learning community what is what is a learning community that's the thing that I'm not like I've never even heard that term before yeah so a learning community is like it's a specific floor in a building that people actively apply to so that you're living with people who have the same interests as you. Hmm. Okay. So I saw the creativity part and I was like, I'll go for that. And, uh, I got in, it was also strategic because it was right next to the dining hall. And (laughs) so I applied there, got in. And then the first week there at our first class, we had like a student speaker who came in and was like, yo, I've always had this idea to open up a cafe. Um, on the first floor of, like, this dorm building because there's an empty closet there. Hmm. And, like, how much money would you make if you were in a dorm hall, like, selling pizzas to people who are going out to parties? Right, right. So I was like, I got nothing going on. I'll run the cafe. So um, me and, like, four friends who were also in this learning community were like, let's do it. So in, like, about two months' time, we converted a like, small storage space into a fully functioning cafe. And so we partnered up with food services, like, career services on campus, and we basically, like, were on the university payroll for work-study to do this. Wow. And uh, there were four, like, managers, Mm -hmm. including me, and (laughs) we, like, painted this uh, cafe, like a Rubik's Cube, and we named it the Breezeway Cafe. We had a illustration major do a mural on the wall and came up with our own menu, our own prices, and we, like, ran this cafe from wow. Thursdays to Sundays, like, 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. 
Oh, so it was late. It was all late night. Yeah. Oh, cool. Terrible cool. hours. Well, if you're not out partying, you got to do something. Right? Yeah, <laughs> making the dough. So, yeah. yeah, like, we ran it for a year, and it went pretty well. Um, it went under when we broke the fridge. <laughs> and it, that was, like, $10,000 of equipment, like, charges. And then the university was like, this was an entrepreneurial venture. We'll cover, like, that cost. Yeah. And then, like, the cafe shut down. Hmm. Crazy. So, like, that was the first business exploit Mm -hmm. in college. And that sort of got me um, plugged into the entrepreneurship scene on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, being part of this learning community, we got to go on a, like, a free camping trip Mm -hmm. to, like, Oswagachi. Have you been there? It's, like, a... It's in the Adirondacks. Okay. And it's, like, ropes courses and stuff. Okay, And you, okay. like, build yeah, your yeah. teamwork and leadership sure, sure. and that kind of stuff. And you, like, you climb up these telephone poles and you're attached to a bungee cord mm-hmm. and you have to, like, jump to get the trapeze. Yeah, yeah. I didn't make it, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> but you yeah, jumped. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Made the jump. Um, so it was, like, like, 35 freshmen and, like, 20 master's students who were part of, like, the Janklo, mm-hmm. um, like, entrepreneurship program and, like, um, anybody who was, like, in entrepreneurship uh, as a master's student got to go on the trip. And it was just, like, this mixer. Um, and that's when I met, like, the idea connectors. Mm-hmm. So, like, Stacy Keefe, Tony um, – uh, I keep calling him Tony freaking Baloney because that's his <laughs> – <laughs> that's his Twitter handle and stuff. Uh, Tony Kershaw, yeah, Dean yeah, Cater. Yeah. Um, so I met all of them on this camping trip and I was like, you guys are so freaking cool. Like Caitlin Moriarty, it was like, I want to mm-hmm. be like you when I grow up. And they were just like cool, confident, like entrepreneurs that were all wearing their like teal t-shirts that said got ideas on it. And they were part of the idea connectors and they just like, they were the ambassadors for entrepreneurs who were students at SU. And I was like, that is the freaking coolest thing. Like, they're finding people who have ideas and they're getting them to, like, apply for business competitions Mm -hmm. and win, like, real cash. Real money, yeah. So I was like, oh, I want to do that. Like, I could do that. Like, I'm qualified, start a cafe. Like, I like to talk to people. So I contacted Stacy, who's the head of the Mm -hmm. Idea Connectors. I'm like, hey, like, how can I be an Idea Connector? And she's like oh, it's for master's students, and you're, like, freshmen. And I kept pestering her, so, like, when I was a sophomore, I became, like, an idea connector, mm-hmm. like, the youngest one ever. And it was, awesome. it was so cool. I got the shirt. Um, got pass out stickers. And they made me, like, since I was, like, the young one, they made me the um, timekeeper okay. at the pitch competitions. Sure, sure. And um, I also became the only one that knew how to, like, use the stop clock that everybody watches when they're pitching. Like really? No, yeah, it? no one knew how to use it. It was, like, really cryptic. With huh. the buttons and stuff. Cool. Um, so I became the timekeeper, and I was just, like, absorbing everything that was happening mm-hmm. um, at these competitions. And there was this one pitch. It was this guy that was wanting to build wells in, like, third-world countries okay. and that kind of stuff. It was great. It was great. And the judges were just like, dude, like, I don't see what you have done and, like, what makes you legit. If you have, like, a 30-second video that showed me what you have done... It would make a difference. It would make a difference, and I would totally give you 10000 bucks. And he was like, ah, crap, like, what? And that just, like, sparked my mind. Because uh, when you're in Newhouse, 
you have to take like a production class mm-hmm. and you learn how to do like nonfiction storytelling, fiction storytelling. You have to do like two minute videos. Sure. Um, and you get like, you start to dabble in video production. And th- I was dabbling at that moment and I did like my nonfiction piece on another idea connector. Okay. Because uh, I thought it was the coolest person sure, in the world. Sure. And um, during that time, like, that's when I became a timekeeper, and I was watching these pitches of these brilliant people trying to change the world, but they weren't getting anywhere because people didn't think they were legit enough. And so they weren't, they weren't effectively able to tell a story, basically. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And um, I was like, dude, I'm making videos right now in my class. Like, I could make you a yeah. video. It might be, like, shitty, but... But it's more than what they got. Exactly. Yeah. So, um... I was like, cool, I'm going to make videos. It's going to be called Out There Productions. We're going to get people out there. Because I would, like, keep a little tally of how many times people would say, like, we're going to get out there and out there stuff. And just like, you know, if you just got out there, it would be, like, totally fine. And I was like, (laughs) wicked. So I was like, it's going to be called Out There Productions. And then, like, this entire time while I was an idea connector, I was like, I needed an idea myself. Like, I can't just, like, be giving people advice. And, like, sending them resources and not walk the walk as well. So, I'm like, I need a freaking idea. So, I came up with Out There Productions. And, like, um, I was like, yo. So, wh- so what's, the, what's the elevator pitch for Out There? And has that changed since you came up with it? Yeah. I right. think the elevator pitch then was, like, explainer videos for startups. Mm-hmm. And now it's, it's, like, a it's a media accelerator mm-hmm. for people with awesome ideas and want to get them out there. Awesome. So... Um, yeah, that was like the birth of Out There Productions. And, um, I was, I was telling people about it and during one of my like idea connector, like meetings with someone, um, Tony was like, yo, you got to meet this guy, Aiden. Mm -hmm. Like he's cool. He's got good energy. Like you guys would sync up. Mm -hmm. So I talked to Aiden and he had this idea for an app and, um, the app was called like, it was called different it was something different at the time. Q code. It was okay. called Q code. Um, and he, he was telling me about it, but he was like computer nerdy about mm-hmm. it, and I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. So I was just like smile, nod, smile, mm-hmm. nod. He's like, Aaron, this is gonna revolutionize like mobile app development. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I believe you. <laughs> and um, so I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Like, just come down. We'll do a, um, we'll do like a test thing, like a, a test run with yeah. it. And come film it. I'll you can I'll pay for pizza. And I was like, Solid. yeah, first customer. Yeah, yeah. got it. I got, I'll do it. So um, went down. Basically experienced um, in like a finance major sophomore mm-hmm. who had no coding experience whatsoever. He had this idea that was like a combination of uh, Google events and Snapchat. Where okay. you just like come up with events and then they'll pop up and appear. Like, like a week before they're happening, and then they'll like disappear hmm. after that. Okay. I don't know. It was called Gather. Okay. And so he had this like idea for it, and we're like, okay, yeah, for sure. And so the CEO was like, yo, what if I told you you can make this app in four hours? And the guy was like, oh, no, you can't do that. You need like, you need to pay like a developer like $50,000 and wait eight months to get a prototype. And he's like, nah, like, let's do it right now. So we filmed it, and, like, lo and behold, four hours of, like, drag and drop, Mm -hmm. like, super awesome user interface where it's, like, Squarespace for mobile apps. Wow. 
you just like drag and drop functionality and buttons and mm-hmm. designs mm-hmm. onto a template and then you export it like a movie. And it compiles and there it is. And then it pops up as an app on your phone. And you click it and it works. iOS or Android? Uh, at the time it was iOS. So does this still exist? Yeah, it exists. No way. So it exists partially because of the video that I made for okay. it. Okay. So I was mind blown, compiled a bunch of the footage, yeah. um, created this like sort of nice video that was like, hey, like, I'm Aiden, like, I have this company called Q-Code. And it's like, hey, I'm this, like, guy, Danny, I don't have any coding experience, I have this idea from this app called Gather. I was like, okay, cool. And then there was a time lapse of, mm-hmm. like, him driving and driving. Yeah. And then opening it on his phone. So this video went in front of, like, Steve Wozniak at Apple and um, a bunch of investors and Aiden dropped out of SU raised like four million dollars um for this company which is now called Drop Source. Okay. And uh yeah he hired like wow. 14 people and operated out of North Carolina. So now he's like not at that company and like mm-hmm. he got bought mm-hmm. out by some uh another CEO. But he had a successful like, exit. Like he yeah. started a company. Exactly. Wow. So that was like my first project and proof of concept. It was pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, crazy. Mm-hmm. So then fast forward to, um, you know, when you're looking at, so you've done a couple, of, this is all, you're still, what, a sophomore in college? Uh, yeah, this is my sophomore year in okay. college. So how do you go, so then did you just keep doing, actually, let me, let me take a sidebar for a second, and, and cool. maybe this is not. Sidebar. Because when you were saying, you know, this this was an entrepreneurial venture, and like, there's an entrepreneur club and all that. And one of the things that I that I struggle with sometimes is um, the idea of that you can like you can teach entrepreneurship. I, and I think mm-hmm. you can, like, you can teach it, right? But um, the uh, but there's also this like, I genuinely think yes, you can teach it, but there's also this this X factor. Like, you you kind of are an entrepreneur or you're not. And I don't know what you think about that and. Um, do you feel like, like, okay, could I go to college for entrepreneurship or like what if, if I spent $40,000 going to college or if I just had $40,000 to make mistakes and burn, like yeah. what option would you take? Yeah. I mean, if I were to do it all again, I would study like, um, like communication design. Mm-hmm. Like I would learn how to do product design or do like interactive industrial design and mm-hmm. learn like practical software stuff Yeah. instead of just like theoretical shit and, like, mm-hmm. ways to think. Yeah. Because, like, that's how I felt, like, what I learned in advertising is, like, strategic thinking and, like, how to fill out these papers and that kind of stuff, which is just, like, easily shit I could Google. Right. Like, for entrepreneurship, right. you could read, like, Entrepreneur Magazine. Totally. And learn and listen to podcasts. Well, YouTube. It's the only, Boom. like, I, okay, University. I figured this out. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And, like, learn this stuff easy. Yeah. And the stuff that's hard to learn is, like, practical, tactical shit. Right. Like, how to use Final Cut Pro. Right. And how to freaking, like... Do you use, a, like, a server or whatever? Right. Um, and so, like, I think that, yes, entrepreneurship is partially part of the person. And mm-hmm. sometimes you need someone who will push you to, just, like, to bring out that mm-hmm. entrepreneur within. Sure. And it's just like, hey, if you have this idea, that's dope. Come back to me next week and tell me if you made a sale. You need someone who's, like. Pushing you along the way. Yeah. yeah. Who's, like, a no-bullshit person who will be, like your idea is invalid until there are results. Mm. And that's what I, like, 
got through the university and I think like finding those people like the idea connectors and Stacy and Tony mm-hmm. and D and like Sean Brannigan and all these people who are just like your idea means nothing until you validate it yourself um was like definitely like pretty worth it it's tough medicine yeah, right? yeah. it definitely is but that's like that's the valuable learning stuff that you get in, the, in school yeah because like people actually give a sh- they're like the universities are places that people are paid to give a shit about you because mm. once you're out like no one gives a shit about you and that's what I'm learning now. I'm like, oh, dude, like life sucks because like <laughs> you were you're so coddled in yeah. college, and uh, you yeah. have like the freezer breaks. Oh, it's okay. It was an entrepreneurial. Yeah, venture. it's like we'll, oh, we'll we take care of it. Ten thousand bucks, no problem. Yeah. I got you. And like now it's like oh crap, like our freaking like camshaft broke on the bus. Like we're dead. Yep. Credit card. Yep. You pay that off for five years. Yep. So um yeah, it's like. You do have to fail fast and all that failing shit that they mm-hmm. say is, like, you have to fail because it's important. It's, mm-hmm. It is important, even though it sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you could do it while you're in college and you have people. Right. You got a net below you yeah. in some ways. Yeah. So that'd be cool. cool. So you figure out, like, how what doesn't work early. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're making videos for startups primarily in college. Yeah. All Syracuse startups or... Um, Were you getting yourself out there, so to speak? And uh, <laughs> so I think I was doing just, like, student businesses uh, to start with because those were people I was um, that were accessible to me. I was talking to them every mm-hmm. day. Um, were people paying you for these, by the way? No. It was mostly pizza and then, like, probably trading talents yep. kind of stuff. Um, for Q Code, we traded design talent to try and get a logo for out there. Sure. But then I realized the best logo that we had was one that I had, like, drawn on a napkin. On a napkin, (laughs) yeah. Like, in the past. Um, But the furthest, like, I got was doing, like, events, like, entrepreneurship events in the community. So, like, stuff at the Tech Garden, Mm -hmm. stuff at Coworks. um, And those... Starfast stuff. Starfast, yeah. yeah. And they ended up being portfolio builders, but sometimes it came with a paycheck, Mm -hmm. which was sick. And um, my video work sort of led me to get a job with IDEA, like with mm-hmm. the high school, um, where IDEA was like nestled into mm-hmm. in the university. So I was doing like um, like work study mm-hmm. with Stacy and like okay. getting paid for it. So it was like, sweet. And cool. I got like a paying job with something that I like. Uh, what point did you know, like you were saying earlier, and maybe this is, maybe this comes later, but the idea of... Um, you're like, okay, go go vet your idea, right? Your idea is invalid until you validate it. Well, there's there's a difference between, like, validating it for pizza and validating it for money. Yeah. Right? And so you validated it for pizza. How did, how did you know that this was a valid idea for money? Like, at what point was it just, like, going out and getting a paying customer? Or how did you make that jump and go, okay, I can make money doing this as opposed to I can just eat pizza for life? Yeah. Oh, for sure, which would be fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, like... It was monetarily sort of supported when I started making, like, YouTube videos uh-huh. for the Idea Connectors. Okay. Like, how to apply for this business competition. Like, I'll walk you through the process. And it was me in front of the camera, in front of a chalkboard, just talking to the camera. Yeah. And um, just, like, my time that I spent recording it and editing it, I could put in my hours. Got it. Um, Got it. Like, as a worker. And I was like, cool, I'm getting paid for it. I, I'm not, like, 100% sure what my first paying gig mm-hmm. was um, 
for out there productions, but um, just getting like paid through the school is yeah. cool enough. It's still money. You're still getting money. Right? Still money, yeah. yeah. And I think there uh, there were times where people were like, yo, like I could pay you like X amount for a video. Um, and I'm like, people are, are now figuring out that I make videos and that there is a need for them uh, to have like videos and that kind of stuff. And once people started asking, I'm like, oh, snap. And I didn't know how to price anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like doing like breakneck work for like 300 bucks, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. But it was still like yeah, it was cash work. money. Um. So, yeah, I just, like, at some point, there was, like, cash flow, Mm -hmm. and that's when I started telling my friends who were, like, studying film Mm -hmm. and studying content creation, like, hey, like, people are paying me to do that, and I'm still in school. You should do it with me. And that's, like, when my friends came on board to, Mm -hmm. like, be co-founders. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, where does the bus come in? Uh. This is what's super, this is what's super interesting, and this is I think where I well I met you at Starfest I think a couple of years ago, right? Has it been like two years ago? I can't Didn't remember I meet, how I met. I no, met it was a mesh. It was mesh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Through Rohan and Ren. Yeah. Um, who like I met on my first day at the job here. I just I, I just like poached them from Syracuse, and yeah. I was like, oh, let's come to Utica. Um, <laughs> how did you go from this to like you know what you know it'd be great like people are paying us for videos. Let's go buy a bus and live on the road. Yeah. And, like wh- where does that How'd you decide that that's the best methodology to make this company happen? Yeah. Um, when I was a sophomore, it was going to be like winter break or something, and I was going home yeah. to California. And during my like idea connector research of finding resources in the community that um, were like beneficial for entrepreneurs, I found this thing called Oxygen Creative. Okay. Oxygen spelled like A-U-X-G-Y-E-N or something like trendy. Mm-hmm. Um and the, they were all, like, Syracuse students or grad students um, who were working out of the galleries okay. downtown. Um, and they were, like, a creative hub, like, a makers space. And I was like, what the heck are you doing? So I shot them a message through their website. I was like, hey, like, found your website. Seems pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure what you guys are doing. Do you mind if I, like, stop by and we can mm-hmm. chat? And they're like, oh, snap, yeah, roll through. So I meet uh, Marcus Barron and Michael Choi in the galleries downtown. They had um, maxed out their credit cards renting out an old hair salon okay. um, and converted it into a makerspace. So it was basically all their friends, like, and they were making, like, mini architectural, like, layouts for, like, parks and stuff. And they were 3D printing, um, like, USB cases that they filled with, like, AA batteries. Okay, yeah, and yeah. Or, like, rechargeable AA yeah. batteries so they could, like, make these little power packs. Mm-hmm. And they were selling those. And um, they had, like, a video editing studio. And it was just, like, everything where you make stuff. Mm-hmm. They had it down there, like, laser printers and all that stuff. And they were all designers, so it looked pretty freaking cool. It was just in-house, or were they chart like it was anyone? All could, anyone could walk in and be like, "Oh, I want to, I want to create th- something here." It was just, it was like there, it was a cl- clubhouse for geeks, right? It was, it was a clubhouse, yeah. but like they had made an LLC because the university can't like pay students to like do that kind of stuff, but they could pay a company hmm. to like. Oh, so it was affiliated with the university. Uh... Just that the student, that okay. they were students, but, like, they were a separate LLC okay. so that they could do, like, video work yeah. for, like, events through residential life or okay. whatever. And I was like, okay. And then that's how I learned, like, oh, you got to make an LLC to do the, like, business with university. And I was like, 
Good to know. Makes sense. Um, so they were like, yeah, man, like, this is our place, super cool. And I was like, what the hell are you guys doing here? And it's like seven dudes, like, like maybe one or two ladies that are just homies, and they just got, they wanted their own workshop, so they built it. And I was like, okay, you guys are really cool. And they were like, want to see what we're really working on? I'm like, okay. Of course, yeah, yeah. So they take me to, um, they take me to the abandoned parking garage that's like under the galleries. Okay. And it's like dark and crazy. And I'm like, all right, like whatever you guys are doing down here is like some Batman shit. <laughs> and uh, they like flip on the lights and there are these storage containers that are in like the parking spots. And I was like, how did you get this in here, and, like, how is this legal? Yeah. Um, and they were just, like, big storage containers. Like that, shipping containers? Yeah, shipping yeah. containers that had, like, these slats of wood, yeah. like, just screwed into it um, on the side, so it looked like paneled wood and that kind of stuff. And then they're like, well, check out the inside. Go on the inside, it's, like, white, um, like, they kind of look like whiteboard walls. Yeah. And then, like, uh, PVC pipe going around it, and they're like, this is a hydroponics pod. I was like, what? And so they showed me how it worked, and they're like, they're like, yo, once this is done, this will be able to produce like an acre's worth of like crops yep. without any sunlight, and you can do it in like like three weeks or yep. something. Forty four like, days, actually. Forty four? Something like that. I I've I've got a hydroponic lettuce set up in my basement. Right, yeah. That's and like it's basically PVC what it is. And a light, and like we I have like twenty four heads of lettuce growing at all times. Yeah. And you just and you don't have to do anything. You, you turn the water on in the morning and Boom. Yeah, it's food. A, yeah, food. It's amazing. <laughs> and so this was the first time I've ever heard of this shit. And I, like my mind was yeah. blown. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And they're like, it's called ponics. I'm like, oh nice, I like it. Like hydroponics. And um so they're like, yeah, this is what we're really working on. And I'm like, that's solid. And they're like, we want to take it to Silicon Valley. We don't know how we're going to do it, blah, 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 blah. That was it. Like, that was, and then I was like, sweet, can I get a ride home? They drove me home. <laughs> and then come, like, t- a year later, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going home again for, like, spring break or something. And um, I look on LinkedIn to see who I could network with mm-hmm. in my free time because that's, like, what you do when you have spring break. Um, and I see that Marcus Barron is in the Bay Area. So I hit him up on LinkedIn, like, yo, what's up, son? What you doing in the hometown? And he was like, yo, we got to meet up for tacos. Can you meet on Wednesday? I'm like, hell yeah, brother. Um, we meet up and I'm like, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, dude, we bought a school bus and we moved Ponix to like Silicon Valley. I'm like, what? So, um, Marcus Barron is from New Mexico and one day they were driving around. They saw an old school bus on the mm-hmm. side of the road. It was like, like twenty thousand bucks or something. Like sixty foot flat face yeah. bluebird bus. That worked. And then they were like, "Okay, cool, we'll buy it." So they bought it with their credit cards again. Wait, 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 wait. Why they they were gonna live in it? Or they're gonna put? They're gonna make it into a like? Uh, they were gonna. They were gonna, gonna do something with it. Bring it back to their workshop in Syracuse and work their science magic on it. Wow. I mean, I guess when you see a bus on the side of the road for sale, like, you just want to buy it. <laughs> I don't know. These guys, these are guys that are working out of a hair salon. That's true. So like, That's I don't true. know what their, like, brains are Maybe like. the bus is an upgrade at that point. Yeah. So they're like, YOLO, they bought it. They drove it up to Syracuse. 
Um, they ripped out the inside, made, did like oil conversions on it so it could run on biodiesel. Um, and then they put Ponics on the inside. They put like their all, they took everything out of their hair salon and put it on the bus. Wow. They built seven bunk beds that like could roll up into sushi beds yeah. um, on the bus so that they could live in it. And they spray painted it matte black and they called it the Blackbird bus. Awesome. So these guys got the bus. Filled it up with, like, old fry juice and then, like, drove to California and parked in the Stanford parking lot. Oh, my God. Yeah, and so I guess when you park there, you have to move, like, every, like, 72 hours. Yeah. And they just move from, like, parking space, space to a parking, parking space. space. Yeah, until, like, this dude, like, a student there was so confused, like, what this, like, big black thing was doing. So we walked up to the entrance. It's like, what are you guys doing? They were like, oh, like, Ponics, like, we live here, like, ugh. This guy was like, oh, dude, like. You should meet my dad's friend. Like, he does the same kind of stuff. This kid's dad's friend is, like, Tony Tony Shea. Yeah, no yeah. way. And oh, my God. So, like, oh, snap. So they go down to freaking, like, downtown Las Vegas yeah. to meet up with Tony Shea. And oh, so they, my God. they live in the same, like, tiny home community as that guy and until they got kicked out for being, like, rowdy and dirty and that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, so they are working on a new project. And wow. it's all about just, like... Uh, autonomous, like, autonomous, um, like, living spaces. So. Wow. Yeah, these guys are crazy. So, after that, like, we were eating tacos, and my mind was blown, and um, I went back to Syracuse saying, I want to do that. So, I did. I get back to uh, Syracuse, and I tell Uh my friends who I'm making, like, beans cash with, making videos, and I'm like, guys, we, we have to do the unthinkable we have to do something crazy. Like the only, this is like PG Bardem, great, greatest showman, showman kind of stuff. Like let's buy a freaking bus, live on it, make videos everywhere. And they're like, let's do it. So um, we talked with a bunch of people, talked to uh, some people here who like lived out of a year or whatever. Um, and then we, I was like, dude, like we need to get a bus. I meet this guy, his name's Joe O'Connor. Okay. I meet him here in Coworks. Okay. And uh, he is, like, he wants a bus to make, like, a personal gym out of it and drive okay. around and, like, like. So there's also just, now a market for bus conversion, basically, is correct. what you're finding. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, this is amazing. And I'm like, where, where do you find a bus? Yeah. And um, this guy, Joe, was like, oh, dude, like, there's a place, like, two hours from here. It's, it's like, the biggest bus, like, reseller in the country. Hmm. I'm like, what? So apparently I, I learned... That after, like, a certain amount of, like, years or miles a bus runs, like, with, it's, like, an agreement with the school district that for safety reasons it has to be retired. Okay. So it could be, like, perfect condition, totally fine, but it's just, like. But it's got the 100000 on it. Exactly. The, so it's, the like. 300000 whatever it is. Right? Something, yeah. and they have to re- resell it. Yeah. So we're, like, okay, cool. So uh, again, again, to a car with Johnny, and we drive, like, two hours to go to this place. It's, like. Their website is, like, buscrazy.net, <laughs> and it's called Don Brown's Bus Sales. So we go in, we're like, hey, guys, what's up? And we figure out that, like, a short a short school bus is, like, between five to $7,000. Okay. We're like, that's not bad. In working yo. condition. In working condition. Yeah. Like, ready to drive out yeah. and, like, drive to school. Um, <laughs> so we're like, dude, that's not bad. So we go back, and we're like, 
let's raise this money. So we start an Indiegogo campaign. Yeah. We film a video. We make all these charts that are like, yo, like we have this business. We want to take it everywhere. We love to travel. We know how to survive. Like I've camped before and like we're going to run this company out of school bus. It's going to be vantrepreneurship and this like we're going to do this nomadic entrepreneurship yeah. lifestyle. And people, like, ate it up. They're like, this is awesome. Like, of course, like, Erin, like, you always do crazy stuff. You're Mm going to do this crazy thing again. And, um, like, the Blackbird bus was like, yeah, you're, like, our little sister. We're going to give you, like, (laughs) 300 bucks. Awesome. And so we we raised, like, 9,500 bucks in, like, two months or something. So people gave us free money. It was sick. And during that same time, we, like, started applying to these business competitions Um, that were within the university because we're like, shit, we have an idea. We know what we're going to do next now. So now we have, like, a viable, like, timeline to pitch to people to try and get money. So we got, like, first place in products and services, um, like, that category for um, this, like, business competition. We won, like, 6,500 bucks in, like, cash. So um, won that. We're like, sorry to the other companies that, like, are doing really well, but, like, we're making movies on a bus, bro. (laughs) And so, yeah, so we got, like, all that combined cash we bought. We Johnny and I drove down again, um, yeah. found a school bus that we liked, bought it, um, and then drove it back to Syracuse, parked it at the gear factory because Rick DeCito was like, yeah, I got a parking lot, park a bus there. Um, so we did, and it was there, it was parked there in May. And Wow. Yeah. And you yeah. started building it. Yeah, so we just, like... We recruited, um, like, architecture students to do the layout. Yeah. Um, we recruited homies from the industrial design program to, like, build us a kitchenette. And then we partnered up with um, Mike, little Mike D from Salt Maker Space. Okay. And he, uh, he just, like, taught us how to build bunk beds because none of us had used a drill before. So we, like, donated probably, like, 10 hours of his time just, wow. like, it was like, yeah, you need, like, this kind of lumber. You need, like, these screws and that kind of stuff. And we built, like, we built, like, two bunk beds and then a fold-up bed. Yeah. And, like, tracks on the ground so we could store stuff and it wouldn't slide around. Um, yeah, so it was, like, all donated labor. Um, and we used, like, the prize money for all the conversions. It was, like, probably a $1,000 conversion. Very bare bones. Really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it all worked. We put like a mini fridge in there, realized we didn't know like how to run any power, tried to put in like an inverter and like yeah. I blew it out. Blew it right out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there it went. And yeah, so then we had like a working school bus and we're like, crap, we need to drive this to California in six days to get like, um, like license plates. We got okay. a temporary license yeah. and then I was starting like a part-time job in Portland, okay. Oregon. So I needed to be, like, on the West Coast. So it was me, uh, my partner, and then my co-founder and, like, another friend. And we all hopped on the bus and, like... Drove across country. Drove across country in six days. Um, so we could park it in, like, my parents' front yard for the summer. Mm-hmm. And get, like, it registered, license yeah. plates, that kind of stuff, before, like, taking the summer off and wow. vacationing and working. Wow. Yeah. What were you doing in Portland? Uh, I was helping my friend start a company, and he needed to do, like, location scouting. Got it. And to, like, meet people who were part of the entrepreneurship scene in the area. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, like, worked up there and just, like, met a lot of people, shook a lot of hands, went to a lot of events. So then the bus is in California? You get on the bus, and you're like, all right, where are we going to go? Yeah, so, um, (laughs) so... 
at the end of the summer, we're like, okay, all of our team members, we have to meet up at my parents' house. Yeah. And we're going to figure out where we're going to go and all that jolly good stuff. Yeah. The day before we're supposed to leave. Wait, 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 wait. Let me back up. Okay, okay, so, okay. So, <laughs> because cause here's the thing that I'm thinking about. So, so you have your co-founders. Yeah. They're in. They go to California. Yeah. And all without knowing where you're going to start. Correct. So you're just like, come to my parents' house. We're, we got this. We put all this money in the bus. We're going to figure out where to go. Yeah. Okay, I was just checking yeah, that's yeah, yeah. how loose it was. We had, like, sort of an idea, but mm-hmm. we didn't solidify it until, like, a couple okay. of hours. We knew we wanted to head east, and yeah. we knew we wanted to take a southern route yeah. because we wanted to avoid the winter. Weather, yeah. Um, and so we were like, uh, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the day before we were going to leave, um, which was the day we were supposed to all meet up mm-hmm. and, like, plan... Uh, we get a call from Losa, who is from L.A. She's in L.A. for the summer. Mm-hmm. We get a call from Losa. She's like, hey, guys, I'm in I'm in the hospital right now. And we're like, are you okay? And she's like, uh, I got hit by a motorcycle. Oh, my God. And we're like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, like, um, I was making a – her summer job was Postmates. Yeah. So, like, she was just doing, doing like – delivery stuff. Yeah, deliveries and stuff. So she was delivering Chipotle – um, to a house, and she crossed the street, and on foot. Oh my god! She looks, and there's a dude on a motorcycle. She gets hit, like breaks her back in a couple places, fractures her jaw, um, loses her entire like front row of teeth. Oh my god! Yeah, and um, yeah, is like basically bedridden in the hospital. And so we're like, oh, shit, we're supposed to leave tomorrow on the bus. And she was like, yeah, I'm, I can't, like, walk right now. And we're like, legit, legit. So, um, Holy crap. So it was down to me and Johnny. And we were just like, oh, shit, like, okay. So we have to, we can't postpone this. We got to go do it. We said we would do it. And um, wow. so we're like, dude, Lois is in the hospital. She has to recover for at least six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, she can meet us in the second city we'll go to. So our plan was to go to a city and stay there for a month. So when like it, living in parking lots or yes. like okay. Living however we could live. Whatever would happen, okay. Correct. So the way that we picked places to go was based off of um, the Coffin Foundation's one million cups mm-hmm. structure. So that is, like, a weekly entrepreneurship conference that happens every Wednesday at 9 a.m. everywhere. And there are 110 cities that have this conference every single week, including Syracuse. Mm -hmm. So we're like, okay, cool. We know that every Wednesday in these 110 cities, there will be a meetup of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial influencers, journalists, um, and like, influential people in the city who are looking to be early adopters of what's Mm -hmm. next and to lift people up who are trying to build things Mm -hmm. in their city. This is our target audience. So we planned – so even though there are people, like, pitching there, you can apply to pitch there as Mm -hmm. well. So a couple weeks in advance, we would apply to One Million Cups to speak and Mm -hmm. just tell our story. We weren't trying to sell anything, Mm -hmm. even though we were. Mm -hmm. And we would just have six minutes to tell our story, say how far we've come, and then we'd be like, 
our ask was we need to know like a diesel mechanic in the area. So if like anybody knows, that'd be mm-hmm. sick. Um, so, and we want to know like the coolest people you know. Yeah. And we want to get connected with them. And people would like fall in love with our story, that kind of stuff, yeah. which would eventually lead to a sale. So the first place that we chose to go was Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. And we chose to go there because the balloon fiesta, like the hot air balloon mm-hmm. fiesta, was happening at the time we were going to mm-hmm. go. And if we volunteered there, we would get a, fl- a free place to park and um, meals for, like, two weeks. That's awesome. So, like, sweet. Yeah. That, that's enough time to get situated. Yeah. So Johnny and I pack up the bus, say bye to parents, and we hit the road. We, um... Go, like, SoCal and stop at, yeah, is the Grand Canyon on the way to New Mexico? <laughs> I think it can be. Okay, yeah, <laughs> we definitely stopped at the Grand Canyon, uh, and then we headed to Albuquerque, and, like, we parked, like, for a night, and then we pitched, like, the next day. Okay. And we pitched our story. There were, like, 50 to 60 people there, like, you could hear a pin drop in that room, like while we were giving that presentation, yeah. and people were like, "Just like, <laughs> yeah. we made our first sale within six days." That's awesome. So, um, yeah, that was like super validating for me because I, I was like, "Dude, this isn't going to work until we make our first sale on the road." Right. So we made like a thousand dollar sale to a lady who wanted to build a vlogging studio inside of her big ass like house. Okay. So she wanted. She was like a. Um, like a psychiatrist, and she wanted to democratize access to mental health exercises. And she had, like, scripts written Mm -hmm. out, and she just didn't know how to film herself. Wow. So we soundproofed a room. We set up lights. We, like, marked everything with gaff tape. We um, set up, like, this tripod that had, like, a little phone holder. Yeah, Yeah. So, and then we would just be like, yeah, all you do is put your phone here, and you click record, and you sit down, and you talk to the camera, and then, boom, that's it. And that was our first job. Wow. It was so sick. it wasn't even making a video. It was teaching. Yeah. yeah. It was teaching and setting things up and, like, showing, like, how this worked and how to do file mm-hmm. uploads and that kind of stuff. Um, and, yeah, it was super cool. This client also let us park in her parking lot or in, of her house, of her house. <laughs> for, like, a week or something wow. while we worked. Um, so, yeah, our selling point was we will literally drive to where you are, park out front, and finish a project within 10 hours. Wow. So, that's how we made sales. Wow, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So, where'd you go after New Mexico? Uh, yeah, so New Mexico, we stayed for a month, and then we hit the road. We went to go see Big Bend um, National Park, mm-hmm. check out the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, went to White Sands National Park mm-hmm. to go see White Sands. And then we're like, dude, we need to go pick up Losa in San Antonio, Texas. So we went to San Antonio. Um, we did our presentation. We met a super sweet lady that was like, dude, just park in my house till mm-hmm. Losa comes. And we parked there. And Losa showed up like two weeks into our second month. And uh, we're like, dude, let's go. Let's hit the road. So our, she like joined us. Our second sale was doing... Um, like product photography for a um, coffee bean, a green coffee bean importer. Okay. And they were trying to like differentiate their product um, as like a fair trade sort of like benefiting female farmers Mm -hmm. in South America um, and to market like their product in the United States. Mm -hmm. So this, we got along really, really well with this lady and um, 
yeah, that was like a project in San Antonio. So we stayed in San Antonio for a month, and then we went to Fort Worth where we got like stuck there for two months because that's when our, our the camshaft of the okay. bus broke, which is basically like the metal thing that it holds. drives everything. Yeah, it, like it holds the engine, and that thing just like snapped. So we were like, shit, this is a $7,000, like, oh fix. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, we, our credit card is for $13,000, so, like, put it on the credit card. Um, that was our place to, like, live and, like, sleep and work and that kind of stuff. And it was in the shop, and we couldn't stay at the shop while it was being fixed. Oh, wow. So we resorted to couch surfing. Mm-hmm. And um, first couch surfing was just, like, we met this nice lady. She lives by herself in a huge house. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're going to stay in, like, all her guest bedrooms. We stayed with her for, like, two weeks. Wow. And then we're like, okay, we feel really awkward now. So then we moved in with Los's cousins okay. who were, like, in Arlington, which was, like, a 30-minute drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they picked us up, and we lived at their place for, like, a freaking month or something. And wow. we super squatted. Um, and what, then, what did you do for, for like... Like, were you doing jobs there, or were you literally just like, we're, we can't do anything? We we were doing jobs. So while okay. we were broken down, we were hitching rides to like local one million cups. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that was the methodology: go to fish where the fish are. Yep. Go pitch, yep. and then go get a job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we were doing jobs. We're doing video work, um, and we were hitching rides everywhere. Wow. And yeah, it, it was insane. Um, while we were broken down, we actually finished, like, three jobs, which paid the bills. Um, we basically, all of our sales went to student loans and groceries mm-hmm. and gas. But since we weren't paying for gas at that moment. Right. Like, it was profit. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> whoa. Um, that was paying, like, the credit card bill. Yeah. So, um, yeah, once the bus got fixed, we started, we were like, dude, couchsurfing actually kind of worked, like, informal couchsurfing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then we're like, dude, there's this thing called couchsurfing.com. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. So we, like, logged on to couchsurfing, um, read out our story, mm-hmm. uh, posted a bunch of pictures, and we're like, dude, we're three, like, nomads traveling across the country, like, trying to fulfill our dream of being videographers, the next, like, generation of movie makers. Um, host us at your house, mm-hmm. and we'll exchange free room and board with um, good vibes and, like, stories. And people were accepting us, mm-hmm. like, left and right. And um, first person we stayed with was just, like, a dude who was, like, a super yogi. And he was like, yeah, like, I was in the war. Um, but, like, now I'm just trying to, like, be compassionate with people. Like, come stay at my place. And, like, this guy would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and do, like, yoga. Mm-hmm. And you hear, like, ocean breath, like, through the walls. And we're like, whoa. Um, and, like... I got it. I rode a motorcycle with him for the first time. It was so cool. And uh, yeah, we just we started delving into real couch surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the what were the cities yeah. that like how many how many projects? How, first of all, how many projects would you do in a city? How would you know when it was time to move on? Were you just saying a month and whatever we get, we get? Or were you like, we're gonna do 10 projects, we're gonna do three projects? Yeah, it was usually we try to pick up at least three projects okay. um, in the month we we're gonna be there. So like one for each week. And that would cover your costs, basically. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And so we realized we had to make at least $1,000 every month. To s- to that's pay. completely reasonable. It's pretty reasonable. And that's yeah. to pay loans for all three of us, yeah. um, to have like 100 bucks for three of us for groceries, mm-hmm. and to pay for gas to go to the next city. Mm-hmm. And that was it? Yeah. 
It worked. Yeah. Um, it was very bare bones. Sure, had a sure. lot of pop tarts. Sure. Um, but yeah, we made it work. We how also long, yeah. How, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so like to get like special days where we wanted like free meals and stuff, mm-hmm. we would contact restaurants from on like Instagram or Facebook and we're like, hey, we're three media professionals living on a school bus. We drove past a restaurant, even though sometimes we didn't. Mm-hmm. And we're like, dude, that place looks cool. We'll exchange like product photography or we'll feature you in our vlog, mm-hmm, which gets mm-hmm. like a thousand views mm-hmm. um, for free in exchange for like three hot meals. Yeah. And everyone always said, yeah. So awesome. we would treat ourselves like once a month to like a cool place yeah, and yeah. like get fed for free and make a cool video about it. How, okay. So I guess going into a little bit of, of tactical stuff. So you're talking about product photography, you did video, you built a studio. Did you know how to do all this shit or did, did people like, I need this. And you're like, yes, we'll do it. Yeah. So, it was, it was mostly, yes, we'll do it. We've done this in some sort of capacity in the past. If we don't know how to do it, we'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it, in some ways, it was fake until you make it. Correct. Cool. Yeah. So, like, when we were building studios, we are like, shit, like, we are going to just, like, move the lights that you have in your house to freaking make it look like a studio. Yeah. We bought, like, one China Mall light. Yeah. Because those things are awesome. And they just, like, toss really mm-hmm. even light. Um, but we tried to keep, like, budgets really small for people. And we made it work. It was, like, definitely a working thing. Do you think, like... Video and I think creative services in general, mm-hmm. people don't have a sense of like it's intangible. Yeah. Right? Like as someone that does like talks and types for a living or does web, you know, like yeah. um you know, you you you're gonna sell me this cup of coffee, right? Like I can make a purchasing decision that that like this was a four dollar and fifty cent cup of coffee, right? And I, I desperately need caffeine, this works. Right. Um But when it's intangible and you're like, Oh, this will be a thousand dollars for a or two like how did you get did people did people understand that? Did people understand the value, or was there a lot of like um, people that you'd pitch and they'd be like thousand dollars? Like I'll give you give you hundred bucks. Yeah, there were definitely those people who yeah. were like, "Dude, I can't afford you, but I desperately need what you have." Mm-hmm. Um, so would you work with them for something, or were we just like, "This isn't a fit right now"? For some people, we we worked for nothing, yeah. and there's still people that reached out to us and they were like, "Dude, I'm raising money this week. You guys will get fifteen percent of my sales for like." A month or something. We're like, all right, cool. And, like, and did that work out for you? I mean, sometimes it totally didn't. It was mostly just like soul currency and that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but, I mean, we were getting paid from other projects that were like, dude, we got nothing else going on. We'd yeah. rather do something for a little m- bit of money than nothing at all and nothing. Yeah. So. Would you suggest that with people if, if you're just getting started? Because there are people that, like, don't compromise on price. Like, be expensive, don't compromise. And there's other folks, like, work for free because you have nothing right now. And then – or is, the, is did you strike a balance? Like, what's your approach to it? I would say strike a balance. Um, there's definitely places where people are like, you can use this as a portfolio piece. And there are times yeah. where you're like, I don't need portfolio pieces anymore. I need, I need mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah, I need, like, I need more Pop-Tarts, bro. Yeah. And uh, there's some – Sometimes you have to, like, bargain. Yeah. And you'd be like, okay, then pay me, like, 500 bucks for the next three months mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and sometimes you really got to trust these people. Yeah. But if you know you're not going to get anything out of it, you have to think strategically. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this. This is a social piece. I don't have any social pieces mm-hmm. in my portfolio right now. Um, I'm mostly doing, like, product videos. Right. So this guy is teaching 
these kids who are like one step away from juvenile hall how to write stories and then he sells them on Amazon every time they sell a book they get three bucks which is sick. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if we accurately tell this story, then this is going to be such a tangible piece for us sure. and for him. Sure. So this guy's goal is like, I want to raise a billion dollars and change a billion, billion lives. And we're like, that's sick. He's still working on it. He's using all of our videos, all of our branding, that kind of stuff. Has probably sold like, like 50 books since mm-hmm. we met him last year. Um... He has so much infrastructure work to work on, mm-hmm. but once he gets picked up, mm-hmm. it's, it's over. It's, it's yeah. going. So we believed in this guy. We know mm-hmm. he's he's still working. He calls us every other month. Who is he? His is name's he? Eric Jones. And where can you find him? Um, you can check him out on uh, it's tgim.us, okay. and his workshop is called Writing for the Soul Workshop. Okay. It's pretty cool. We did all his YouTube videos. Awesome. So uh, he just has a great story, and his pro- his project is so freaking cool. Mm-hmm. He's just in, like, Fort Worth and places that aren't super innovative yet mm-hmm. that, like, growth is really, really hard for him right now. Sure. So we, we saw that, and we're like, dude, we'll help you out. And he's like, bro, I'll cook you guys, like, dinner for, like, a week. Mm-hmm. And we're like, yeah, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. hot food is dope. And just, like... <laughs> He gave us rides to the airport yeah. when, like, Lois needed to go home and get, like, her teeth checked up yeah. and that kind of stuff. And, like, that kind of stuff is very valuable in itself. So we just... So you do it. Yeah. So I would say, like, if you're... If people offer you to do, like, work for, like, little or no pay, like, do, like, some heart evaluation. Be like, will this be good in the long term? And sometimes you just got to, like, be charitable and that kind of stuff. So what is, are you guys going to go back on on the road or are you, is, is this kind of an adventure that is behind you and then you're figuring out what the next adventure is? I think we're always just looking for the next adventure mm-hmm. and we. So are, it's a tour scenario. We're going on tour this summer. We're going on tour for six weeks. And, it's a tour scenario yeah. for sure. Um, we want to bring the bus to LA. We want to bring it to Sundance. We want to bring it to South by Southwest. Um, we have to renew the insurance and that yeah. kind of stuff on the bus and we have to, um, make sure that the camshaft doesn't break again. Um, But it is such, like, a vessel for us to do cool things. Mm -hmm. And the bus is that, but we want out there productions to be that. So let me ask you, you know, I think part of the, the, you know, we've been spending a lot of time on the bus because, like, it's this great story. It's this great narrative. Mm -hmm. And you've used that kind of as a a way to to, to sell, right, but to build this company. So, and you were talking about, like, the, the... was it Ponix guys, right? Ponix. Like, that was part of their narrative. It was like this, this um, you know, the founder story, the mythology, right? Yeah. Of, uh, or the canon of a company. Could you, could you, do you think you'd, you'd be as successful if you guys were just like, we don't have a bus, we understand how to do startup videos, and we're going to do, we're going to try to do everything from, you know, um, Facebook marketing, Instagram marketing. Right. And, and like, we'll go, like, you know, that, that's become such a part of what I think got you in the door. Yeah. Could you do it without the bus, do you think? I think at the time of what growth we were at, Mm -hmm. the bus accelerated our growth to be where we are today. Because it was the it was the thing. It was like yeah, it was our proof of concept. Yeah, okay. That we could run a business on bare bones. Yeah, yeah. And um, now we don't need the bus to make sales. People are like, "Oh shit, you did that!" Like, of course I'm going to hire you because you could do anything. Got it. Um, It would still help, I think, but we would be 
making, like doing projects and not negotiating price. Yeah, okay. So um, I think it definitely, it kick-started us, gave us a lot of press, Mm -hmm. um, gave us a lot of awareness and hype. Um, And now we have been legitimized and Mm -hmm. we could... We you stand on your own two feet, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. yeah. But if we want to step it up, then we're going to have to get a boat or something. <laughs> <laughs> where can people find you online if they want to If they want to ping you, they want to know more yeah. about what you're doing, where can people find you? Um, you can ping me on any social media account. It's at Aaron the Miller. Or you can go to the Out There Productions website, which is otpros, P-R-O-S dot C-O awesome. dot com was like an extra 20 bucks so we're like nah all right that's it episode one is in the can as they say so uh thanks a lot for tuning in uh thanks to aaron for being the guinea pig for episode one Uh, it was great to talk to her so very very important if you liked today's show uh, which i hope you did please hit subscribe if you did not like today's show please hit subscribe We'll get it eventually. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can visit rustbeltstartup.com or you can hit up our Instagram at rustbeltstartup or email hello at rustbeltstartup. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We will see you guys in about two weeks.